Have you ever thought about free will? Free will, exactly what is it? Is it true or is it false? We're going to discuss that when we come back right after this. Hey, I am Brother Stanberry and I am here in the Mississippi Gulf Coast and we are the host of New Dawn Christian Connection here on the Mississippi Gulf Coast and we are glad to have you here today just to talk about a few things, a few things that, you know, we may, may or may not talk about all the time, but we're going to talk about them today. But first of all, I just want you to know about my new book. That's right. My book that's out right now. And it is on Amazon and you can pick one up by going to msgccc.org and click on the cover page and it'll take you straight to Amazon and you will be able to get my book. And the name of it is, is the gospel. You are being taught the true gospel of Jesus Christ. And the subtopic is, if the beginning is wrong, does that change the ending? And that's a very important question because that's something that we don't never really get into is that uh, 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 the gospel that we are taught. We, we just take a lot of times things that uh, people talk to us about that it be the gospel. But I want you just to look at this little promo here that we put together for the book. Many people today talk about Jesus Christ, but they do not understand the complexity of who he is. They talk about him, about the miracles he performed, and how you can do the same. They say to get the power of God, you need to do this or that. Have you ever asked your leaders, what does it mean to be a living soul? However, to understand the truth about Jesus Christ, you must explore him completely. Have you ever wondered why Jesus only taught about the kingdom of God? Have you ever asked about his family line? What about the connection between Jesus and Adam? Or what does it mean to be the son of God? Is my Christianity woke? Or is the church a hospital for sinners or a sanctuary for saints? This book is designed to have you become a critical thinker about the things you have been taught about the nature and person of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul tells us to study to show yourself approved unto God. Will you take the challenge to determine, is the gospel you are being taught the true gospel of Jesus Christ? Our purpose is for you to do that which Jesus did. Ask questions about your faith. You can get your copy today by going to msgccc.org. Thank you and may God continue to bless you richly. That's right. The, the book is about um, just some things that we talk we don't talk about in church. We don't talk in our small groups about various aspects of what we believe as Christians. Um, and there are many things that there are questions to that no one asks. Or if they're asked, they're just pushed off on the side as being, well, we'll get around to that or we're understanding the by and by. But my, this book, 
this book is going to touch on a lot of those questions and let us find out what those true answers are from the scriptures well uh, um, what we're going to do right now is we're going to have a reading of the section of free will uh, what we wrote in the book is this verbatim from the book and from there we're going to come back and we're going to discuss some things about it so here we go from my friend john hi i am john the avatar reader of aaron stanberry's new book is the doctrine you are taught the true gospel of jesus christ enjoy the free will of man today those of us who declare ourselves as being christian believers get all kinds of doctrinal teachings preached to us we get a word about how to be prosperous how to get great power how the church is failing etc many of our doctrinal preachers have become motivational speakers encouraging us to tell our neighbor this or that when to say amen or speak this way or that the most taught doctrine is the belief in man's free will because this is common teaching i did some research and this is what i discovered oftentimes when i discuss with believers the different aspects of scriptures the conversation normally leads to the free will of man doctrine i have found that many times people use this phrase to explain a doctrine of man's partnership with god the belief that god will not force us to do anything against our will because we are not robots this conclusion is the mainstream understanding of how man relates to God. The contrast of creatures. If we explore 2 Corinthians 5, we find Paul appealing to the nature of those who are in Christ. He indicates that it is better to be out of the body because to be so is to be in the presence of the Lord. Paul tells us that whatever state we are in, our objective is to be accepted by the Lord. As he continues, it is noted that all of us will stand before the Lord to receive those things done in the body either good or bad. However, his primary point is that those who are in Christ have died to the things of the world and have become new creatures. Please understand that he did not say a new man but a new creature. A creation that has a whole different category. A category that is of God, where all things have become new. Using this wisdom, a person who is a new creature only serves the will of God. You may ask, what is the will of God for us? In 2 Corinthians 5.18, it tells us that we have been given a ministry of reconciliation. This ministry is the same as Jesus' ministry, which was to reconcile the world unto himself. Precepts of Reconciliation Now, there are two precepts to this reconciliation. One is that we, believers, are constrained, held together, by the love of Christ and the other is that we are not to impute there, the unlearned or unbelievers, 1 Corinthians 14.23, transgressions unto them. In the second precept, we are told not to tabulate, reckon, compute, calculate, or to tabulate over anyone trespasses, Strong's Concordance, G3049. My understanding of this passage is not to bring up their past transgressions. In John 3.18, we are told that those who believe are not condemned, but those that believe not, unbelievers, are already condemned. Now the question is, can an unbeliever get saved? If so, who is able to save them? First of all, let us look at John 3.18 and the word condemned. Strong's Concordance G29.19 explains the word condemned is to be separate, put asunder, to pick out, select, or to choose. It goes on to indicate that this is an act of pronouncing judgment. The concordance indicates that this is a root word, and the meaning is final. Also, 
another word to focus on is unbelievers. Strong's Concordance states that an unbeliever, G571, is someone who is unfaithful, faithless, and not to be trusted, they are incredulous and without trust in God. On the other hand, an unlearned person, Strong's Concordance G62 means to be illiterate. The dictionary defines illiterate as having or demonstrating very little or no education, showing a lack of culture, especially in language and literature, and displaying a marked lack of knowledge in a particular field. If we look at Genesis 4:19, 23-24, Lamech, Cain's, who was condemned by God, descendant, declared what he had done was more terrible than his Cain's, he then pronounced that he accepted the sentence of Cain, which was to be separated from God and given a covering mark. This made him feel better than all others. Therefore, a condemned person is an unbeliever of this mindset and must not be trusted. The reason this matter is that many have confused an unlearned person from an unbeliever. An unlearned can become a believer but an unbeliever cannot. This is because an unbeliever has a reprobate mind, given to him by God in Romans 1:28. Also, in 2 Thessalonians 2:11, God sends them a strong delusion to believe a lie. That lie was the mindset of Lamech. Now, the answer to the question is that an unbeliever cannot be converted, because they have been turned over to a strong delusion by God. The final answer to this question comes from John 12:38-41, where he quotes Isaiah 6:10 in New Testament understanding, that the saying of Esaias the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spake, Lord, who hath believed our report? And to whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore, they could not believe, because that Esaias said again. He hath blinded their eyes, and hardened their heart, that they should not see with their eyes, nor understand with their heart, and be converted, and I should heal them. These things said Esaias, when he saw his glory, and spake of him. This revelation bring up an ideal question. The question is, was the turning over to a reprobate mind in Romans 1 by God, the action taken in Genesis 6 when God removed his spirit from all but Noah? Now my point is this, if we, believers, are to be ambassadors for Christ, then the only will we have is His will, which is to reconcile those who are His, to their remembrance of who they are, and whom they are, Luke 15 17-20. The Judgment From 2 Corinthians 5:10, we also understand that there is a judgment that goes along with all of this. The judgment will be standing before the judgment seat of Christ in order to receive rewards, Rewards for what has been done in the body, both good and bad. If we look at Matthew 25:45-46, the king issues out judgment on to those on his right hand and those on his left hand. His final judgment is identified in verses 45-46. Therefore, the rewards mentioned in 2 Corinthians 5 are everlasting punishment to those on the left hand and everlasting life to those on the right. You do remember what Matthew 25:31-33 identifies, when the Son of Man shall come in His glory, and all the holy angels with Him, then shall He sit upon the throne of His glory, and before Him shall be gathered all nations, and He shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats, and He shall set the sheep on His right hand, but the goats on the left. This runs parallel to what the king did. Anyhow, we must note that the king did not say those who did it sometimes. Jesus confirmed this in Matthew 13:47-50 when he told the disciples what the kingdom of heaven was like. He said, again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a net that was cast into the sea and gathered of every kind, which when it was full, they drew to shore and sat down, 
and gathered the good into vessels, but cast the bad away. So shall it be at the end of the world, the angels shall come forth, and sever the wicked from among the just, and shall cast them into the furnace of fire, there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Therefore, in order to be who Jesus says we are, we must do only His will, which is the will of righteousness. Paul tells us in Romans 8. 19 that the earnest expectation of the creatures is that the sons of God manifest themselves. We know this action will liberate the creatures from their bondage of selfishness. We know that God has already put all things in subjection under His, man, feet, Hebrews 2 8. The question is when did that happen? Was it in the beginning, at the cross, or is it yet to come? Looking at verse 7, it mentions that God gave the works of His hand to the man. Therefore, everything mentioned is about at the beginning, when man Adam became a living soul. More on this later. Present Teachings Today's teachings insist that this concept of the free will of man began in the garden with Adam and the woman. It's been explained how God had commanded Adam not to eat of the tree of good and evil, in the midst of the garden, how they ate of it anyway after the serpent tricked the woman. How she looked into the tree and ate then gave it to Adam who was with her and he did eat. There is a belief that nothing happened until Adam ate because he was in charge. They go on to say God got angry because Adam and the woman had made a conscious decision to disobey him and eat from the tree. It is believed that this was the first example of a man having free will. Based on present teaching, Adam and the woman had a God-given right to agree or disagree with God as they saw fit. Now, the question is, when did God give them this free will? Was it when he blew his spirit into the living soul? or right before Adam ate? It had to be sometime between the blowing of the Spirit and them eating the fruit. When do you think it happened? However, I cannot find any scriptural proof to back up this claim. Therefore, the question is, the free will of man, where did it come from, and who does it benefit? I found it interesting that after searching the scriptures, I googled it too, there are no scriptures indicating that God ever said or indicated to the man that he could rebel against him, God, and that he, God, was okay with that. In fact, God declared that they must surely die. Did he change his mind and went back on his word? Was he only talking about a spiritual death? In this case, the separation of Adam's spirit from his body was impossible because removing his spirit would have left the body lifeless because the blood was not the life force at the time. Wait a minute, there may be a place in the scriptures that indicated that the eating was going to take place. We find in Genesis 2:17 that God made a very interesting statement. He said, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. Now, in the day that thou eatest thereof is a powerful statement, being that in a day is a point in time. In this case, the start and or finishing of something. Also, when God speaks a thing, it must come true. Intriguing, is it not? Anyway, James 2.26 tells us, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Nowhere in the scriptures has this ever happened to Adam. More on this later in the narrative. There are two scriptures that mention the phrase will of man, they are, but as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. John 1 12, 13, Emphasis mine, for the prophecy, came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost.
2 Pet. 122, Emphasis Mine, neither one of these scriptures shines a good light on the will of man. Being that, in my view, there is no scriptural evidence as to a free will of man or that it has any divine power associated with it. I concluded that the only will we have is the will of the one we follow. Therefore, those who follow mammon, riches, serve his will, John 8:44. A clearer understanding of this comes from 2 Corinthians 4 4, where we are taught that the devil is the god of this world, unto those who minds he is blinded, those who do not believe, unbelievers. My understanding is that the only will a believer has is the will of God. Mark 3:35 states that for who shall do the will of God, the same is my brother, and my sister and mother. We find in Acts 13:36 that David served his generation by the will of God before he died. Finally, the narrative on the free will of man is one that is covered in evil and missing the mark. In Matthew 6:24, it talks about the two masters. One is God and the other being mammon. Our present-day teaching dictates that Satan is a master. However, the scriptures say that mammon is a master. Strong's Concordance G3226 identifies mammon as being treasure, riches, and wealth that is personified. The dictionary says that mammon is a personification of riches as an evil spirit or deity. Personification is the placing of attributes of, human nature or characteristics, on animals, inanimate objects, or abstract notions, especially as a rhetorical figure. Therefore, the will of man can only manifest when there is a focus on getting things and stuff. This action produces a love that is addictive to self-worth and not of God but of the world. In 1 John 2:16, it states that for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. You cannot serve two masters. However, I decided to go back and review what happened in the beginning with Adam and the woman to see what type of supposition I could come up with. The conclusion of this matter will continue later in the narrative. But until then, let us continue with is the doctrine you are being taught the true gospel of our Lord Jesus, the Christ our God, or not. Many in the pulpit, unknowingly or knowingly, have become self-serving businesspersons who went rather than being sent. Many of them teach Old Testament theology, which highlights the disobedience, rejections, and unbelief that the children of Israel had toward God. Then they attempt to apply the theology to New Testament believers. These concepts and precepts are so far from being accurate. It leads us to a philosophy of expectation. This philosophy would have us believe that Jesus deals with us, believers, the same way he deals with sinners, unbelievers. Amen. Well, that, that's the first section of, of the book, and it is about free will. And if you've noticed, there's a lot of questions that um, need to be answered. I, I would think they need to be answered because I've noticed that a lot of times that uh, um, when we ask people, particularly religi religious leaders or whoever, these questions, they have a tendency either to use con uh, congestions or just uh, omit a lot of things so it, it becomes very important just to look into these uh, um, doctrines that we follow and the doctrine of free will is one of them because like I said in the book is that most of the time or many times when I talk to people they always go and they become controversial or whatever the first thing they holler is well we have a free will and when I ask them about that free will a free will to do what 
uh, I really never actually get a get an answer for it. But as I state in the book, first of all, a free will. Where did it come from? You know, uh, I think sometimes we act like the free will just came from out of nowhere and was implanted into the living soul or into Adam and as if God had nothing to do with it so but we know since God created or formed the man from the dust of the ground and blew the breath of life in him and everything that the man or the living soul is God is too and I'll get more into that detail in another narrative uh, of the book but now the question is where what does it been where, where does uh, free will come from and who does it benefit and what is the results of it well for my my research and everything first of all um most people that i talk to start their nature of man at the fall they say now if it wasn't for adam and eve eating that fruit things would not be the way they are because they they, they, they became sinners but think about it just think about it sin is the result of the free will because we say that they have a free will they had a free will to disobey or obey God but we don't know where that free will came from and we say because of that free will they became sinners so something something went went astray here because if you really think about it what you actually saying or what a person is actually saying that god made a mistake god created man on the seventh day and at that time he said everything that he had made and created was good and very good but then we come to the point to where we say that satan just overruled God. He came in and just messed up God's plan. How could he do that if he himself is a created being that was created by God? How then could he overrule God? This is this is just some of the things that uh, we don't explore enough within our uh, Christians' belief, uh, and we can find I think a lot of stuff in there because when we start our conversation from the fall of man there is a lot there there's two and a half chapters before that because you have to totally disregard or totally overlook chapters one and chapter two and uh half of chapter three so you have to overlook all of that in order to get to the fall of man you and, and in that and by saying that, by saying the fall of man, now we're saying, think about it. You're saying God couldn't, could, was out of control. God, God just said, hey, I'm just going to step back out of this thing. I done did my job. I'm going, I'm going back to heaven and sit on the throne and, and y'all work it out. That don't make no sense. Well, it don't make no sense to me. Maybe it makes sense to you. But we're going to look at this. We're going to look at this further on. And we're just going to see what we can do to try to bring some light until this understanding so what we're going to do now is just take a little short break and i'll be right back to close this thing out this is the song that was written by mr king branson come on give that a praise for him hallelujah 
Church, uh, should I say the late, the late Charles Minister? He was a mighty man on the coast concerning uh, music. He did a lot for a lot of people here on the Mississippi Gulf Coast in the area of music and ministering. And we just wanted to give him a shout out right there. And also, uh, Pastor Kenny Braxton. Kenny Braxton also. He's one of our leaders here on the coast. He's been sort of down and out um, through uh, 2020, but. Uh, no, I think he's doing a little bit better right now. But anyway, we're getting ready to close this thing out. But I just want to reaffirm, re, re, restate that the free will of man is something that you really need to look into. Because uh, uh, the nature of the free will of man only have, it only have evil, rebellion, and disobedience wrapped up in it and that is not 
of God. So if you are a proponent of the free will of man, think about that. What does God benefit from you having a free will? And with that, uh, we'll be back to finish up that first section of our book. And once again, you can get that at msgccc.org. All you got to do is just go there, click on the page, click on the uh, book cover and it'll take you to Amazon where the book is and I think it'll be some interesting reading for you it'll be very um, unconventional it'll be very unconventional but it'll be scriptural it's not no fiction it's a non-fiction book it's Bible based and I also use the strong concordance as a reference for various words and things in there which are tools that we are supposed to use because Paul said study to show yourself approved a workman able to rightly divide the word of God so until next time this is Minister Aaron Snapper coming at you from Gulf Coast Christian Connection here on the Mississippi Gulf Coast New Dawn Christian Connection and until next time, good night and may God bless.